Welcome to the Lincoln Baptist Daily Reading Programme. Today is day 261, meaning we're reading Jeremiah chapter 11 and 12, 1 Timothy 5 and Psalm 110. That might be unusual, yesterday we read Jeremiah 5 and 6, today we're jumping to chapter 11. That's because, again, we're trying to read things in chronological order as they happened, and therefore we'll be jumping around a little bit while reading through Jeremiah. But let's head into Jeremiah 11 together. We see deliverance straight away in chapter 11. Jehovah repeatedly reminded his people of their deliverance from Egypt and the covenant he had made with them at Mount Sinai. He reminded them of his grace in giving them the promised land. But then came their disobedience. Israel accepted the covenant, but they disobeyed the law of God. The new generation accepted the covenant as found in Deuteronomy and entered into the land. Eventually, though, they turned to idols. Then there was disaster in their history. The Babylonians would come, capture the nation and destroy Jerusalem and the temple. But there was a defence. The prophet's own friends and relatives tried to silence him and they would slay him, but God defended his servant. Jeremiah took his life in his hands when he preached, but nothing ever stopped him because God would come to his defence. As we go into chapter 12, we see a perplexity here. Why do the wicked prosper? It's interesting, isn't it? As you go through the history of Israel, they seem to consistently sin against God And because they do that, their enemies seem to prosper. It's almost as if the promise of God seems far-fetched because Israel seems to never grasp it and the wicked people prosper. So why does that happen? I would say straight away we need to change our perspective. God's answer helped to prepare his servant for the trials ahead. Serving God is a blessed privilege, but it's also a difficult task and it gets more difficult as you serve longer. Jeremiah would go from racing with men to racing with horses, from a land of peace to the thickets of Jordan. This is the only way that we can mature in life and service, to see that service for the Lord is tough, and at times it will seem like those promises are far-fetched. But the promise of God is clear. God will bring judgment and he will bring wrath, and at times the wicked will end up prospering because of it. But his compassion does not fail. The people of God will always have the mercy of God if they would simply repent from their sins and become faithful once again. As you look around today, do you feel the same? Do you feel like the wicked are prospering? Do you feel like the promise of God just seems fairly far-fetched in your life? I would encourage you to see that the compassion and mercy of God is available And the only way to access that compassion and mercy is to repent from our sins and be wholehearted for Jesus Christ. And when we do that, what we will find is those promises are not far-fetched. They are yes and amen in the name of Jesus. So I would encourage you today, go to Jesus, not to this world. We now head into 1 Timothy 5. And what we learn in 1 Timothy 5 is unity within the church body is not always easy. In fact, people tend to grumble and tend to annoy one another. Paul suggests that we treat one another the way we would treat members of our family. If older people complain about things, deal with them as you would your father or mother and accept your brothers and sisters in Christ as just that, that they are family members. As we look to serve this church family, we must understand that charity begins at home. Not everybody that has needs should have them covered by the church, but certainly the leaders need to have discernment to understand who covers those needs. Where is there a family, and if they have a possibility of serving, then they should do so. But if there's no family, then the church needs to step in and serve. Why? Because the church is the family. Brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers within that family were to lovingly care for each other. 
So not only are we seeing in Jeremiah that we should be faithful towards the Lord, faithful towards his calling, we should also be faithful towards one another and how we care for one another. So today I want you to consider who you might help. Look at our church, look at the church you're in. Is there a widow? Is there someone in poverty? Is there someone that feels alone? Go and help them. Go and be their brother or sister. Go and be their father or mother. Go and be the church family. Finally, we have Psalm 110, and this is a fairly often quoted Psalm in the New Testament, quoted by Jesus, by Peter, even the writer of the Hebrews. Jesus focused on the real issue when he asked, if the Messiah is David's son, how can the Messiah be David's Lord? There's only one answer. The Messiah must be a man through the family of David. Messiah is both eternal, God and eternal man, divine and human together. He is seated in the place of glory and of all authority. And this is a picture of victory over the Messiah's enemies, a king that brings victory, a king that stands as ruler over all. But it also shows a priest, a priest that would intercede, a priest that would bring all our feelings, all our weaknesses before the Lord so that we would search and find him because Christ has done so on our behalf. But we also see a judge, a judge because the day of wrath is coming when the Lord Jesus will deal with these enemies and once and for all, they will be defeated. If we know Jesus as God's son, then he is your high priest, he is your king, and he is your judge. Jesus is not just the man we read in the New Testament. He's more than that. He is everything. He is preeminent in all things, victorious in all things, and he is the one that holds the keys to heaven, eternal life, and the peace that passes all understanding. Father, as I read through these passages today, it's fairly evident that Jesus Christ has all authority and all power to have everything under control. Father, we pray that we would be faithful to him, that he would indeed be our king, our priest, and our judge. Father, we pray that we would be wholehearted for him, that we would not search this world for answers, but we would search the name of Jesus and his word. Father, we pray when people are grumpy towards us or we're grumpy towards them. Father, we pray that unity would be brought into the church through the recognition of us being a family. Father, help us be brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, for we know this brings you glory. We pray this in your name. Amen.